thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about transformation. So for the first two weeks, we talked, you know, this is the theme that God has called our church to is transformation, right? I believe in our first year, God has done exceedingly greater and will continue to do exceedingly greater in our church. But I believe in this second year, he's called our church to transformation. And if you were here last week, we talked about the faith of a pioneer. See, God didn't just call Pioneer Church to come and discover a region, right? Because it's one thing for pioneers to come and discover a region. It's another thing for pioneers to come discover it. And the full definition is to discover it and transform it, right? To see the wilderness, to see something that's uninhabitable and say, no, 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 I see its potential. And let's transform this into a community. And so it's not only, not only is Pioneer Church here, not only did we discover downtown and say, you know what, downtown needs a life-giving church because that's where it doesn't stop. That's a lot of good ideas don't become goals because they don't set dates. What happens is, oh, that's a good idea and you never get to it. But God called each and every one of us here to be a part of this church because it's a life-giving church and we're saying, yeah, downtown needs somewhere where there can be a life-giving church where people can see the love of Jesus and, and, and be impacted by that community. And so not only did we come here or, did, or see a need, but we transformed it. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. Amen. And so in that, I, wanna, I wanted to let you guys know that's what, that's what it's about. And so we talked about transformational, transformational prayer the first week, transformation in discipleship. Last week, we talked about the vision of Pioneer Church and where God has us going. And this week, I want to talk about the transformation in outreach, Right? transformation and outreach because if we're just a church on Sunday and yet we're not a church to the rest of our community it goes back to that old song if we are the body why aren't his arms moving see you guys have to understand that the world is waiting for the church to run the play the world is waiting for the church to be the church and meet the needs of the broken. And not only those with a, a lot of money, God wants us to reach us those who are broken in spirit, the widows, the orphans. We can't reject people and be like, oh, they have a lot of money. I could never share the gospel with them. No, that's who God wants you to share the gospel with. But we have nothing in common. Sure you do. They don't have Jesus and you do. Is the gospel enough anymore? That's the question that we want to ask. And so I want to read this story to you guys. You guys have heard it before. You have to understand that outreach is a part of our DNA. And if, and if, we, don't, if we don't go and reach out to our community and let them know that we love them and that Jesus loves them and cares for them, will they ever experience the love of Jesus? They say that before someone accepts Jesus into their life, before someone allows Jesus to come and transform their life, that they are, are met eight times in their life. They get about eight moments where they're met and that someone will share the gospel with them. And then after those eight times, they either make a decision to, to be with Christ or they don't. And some of us think that, oh, I'm too busy to share the gospel. I'm too busy to do this. And it's just like, look, it's not your job to grow the plant. It's just your job to put the seed. God will grow it. It's just being obedient to that. I think sometimes as a church, right, we get so caught up in doing the big things, right? Who's been to that church? Yeah? Am I by myself? All right. So who's been to that church? Yeah? Yeah? All right. Oh, okay, cool. Welcome. Welcome. 
Um, so we, we get so caught up in doing like, oh, let's do these grand gestures. Let's do this big thing. Let's do this. And, and we forget that it's not always about grand gestures. It's about just one person. I think sometimes we get caught up in doing the big things that we forget the one person. If we look in Scripture, we can see many a times where Jesus wasn't with the crowd, but he always addressed the one person. How many times in our life have we slowed down for one person? Because I can guarantee you if we were to slow down for the one person and share the gospel with that one person, we don't know who that one person may impact. That one person may impact another one person. That one person may impact a hundred people. That one person may impact a thousand people. But if we were to just slow down and just be at that person's just say, hey, I'm here for you. Can I pray for you? What can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? Now it's no longer about meeting the needs of thousands at once, but it's meeting the need of that one person. I find that if you ever, if effective ministry, effective ministry didn't happen when I was preaching to a uh, hundred people or sixty people. When I, uh, that's uh, effective ministry happens, you know, when we hang out one on one. Hey, how are you? What's life like for you? Share your burdens with me. I'll share my burdens with you. Did you see the game? Did you not see the game? Did you see, did you eat? Can we go eat? Right? And it was never about the big pump and the grandeur. It was always about just the one moment. I think sometimes as humans, we get caught up in the next moment and the next moment and the next thing we have to do and the next thing we have to do. And we get so caught up in our schedules that, and God is like, if you would just slow down, you can see the blessing in this one moment. If you could just slow down and strip away all of your ideas, strip away what it's supposed to be, stop thinking about what you're supposed to say in response, and just literally just be in this moment. I believe our prayer lives would transform as well. I'm just going to say this quick prayer because i got a meeting. But what if we were just like, God, I I know I have this meeting. I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing right now, and I'm just going to thank you for today, for this one moment. So we're going to read out of John 4. A lot of you guys probably heard this story before. And that's okay. I don't want you to tune out. This is not the time to tune out. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees has heard that he was gaining and baptizing more, more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back one more time to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, I hope I said that right, near a plot of the ground Jacob had been given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. This is more of a teaching Sunday, so I want to teach you guys something that in outreach Uh, sometimes we need to go to areas that no one would go to or what people deem as unsafe. I always find that Christ is at the center in the areas that are the most unsafe for people to go. But when he sends you, he always protects you. He always keeps you. He always equips you. You always go to that area with such a joy. So you have to understand, right? So Jesus is on this journey, and it says he wanted to go back to Galilee. 
And there's a couple barriers there. And so typically, when Je as Jesus was headed to Galilee, like Jewish people would not dare to go through Samaria because there was rat beef between the Jews and Samaritans. I'm just kidding. There, no one rapped. Okay. Anyways, there was beef between Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other. So much so that if this is Samaria, Jewish people would take the long route around and walk all the way around to get to Galilee. They were like, I am not going through Samaria because Jews saw Samaritans as dogs. They were like, they're the lowest of society. That's why Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so they were like, I don't want anything to do with Samaritans. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to breathe their Samaritan air. It's gross. And so they would take this detour. And it would take even longer to get to Galilee. Isn't that some of us sometimes though, right? Instead of going into an area where God called us or being the light in an area where it's the darkest, we want to walk around it and avoid it. Am I by myself? You know how many times that there are situations or times there are people that God is like, you need to confront that person, you need to talk to that person, you need to make peace with those people, and you're like, God, I don't want to do it, but you know what, take me to your next blessing, I just want to ignore this area, I don't want to, uh -uh, that's ugly, it's messy. No, I don't want to make peace with that person, I like being mad at them. I like going on their Facebook and hating everything that they do. I enjoy that, Right? Because how, how many of us are friends with people on Facebook that we don't even like? <laughs> you laugh because it's true. And it's like, why are we still friends with them? Because I want to see if anything goes wrong. And it's sad. And so people, Jewish people, instead of going through Samaria, they would just walk around it and ignore it because it's like, I don't want to walk through what they considered as filth. But yet Jesus would walk into Samaria. What? He would walk into, a known Jewish man would walk into Samaria. And it says that he, he would sit down by the well. There are a couple, I'm going to read this and we're going to talk about a couple barriers that happens when, when you do outreach. When we're, when we're doing outreach, there are a couple barriers that you'll meet and it's up to you if you're going to allow God to transform those barriers and make them bridges in your life. And so it says, it was about noon. It says a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go and call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. He's like, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. 
and the man you have now is not your husband. So what you have said is quite true. In this very moment, we see that Jesus overcomes several barriers, several things that would hold him back from sharing the gospel with someone. He just goes right through them. And this is the beauty of the gospel, that it is for the Jew and the Gentile. It is for the sinner. It is for the saint. It is for those who sinned just yesterday and those who have sinned weeks ago. It is for anyone who feels far from God. That's what the gospel is, is that it draws us near. Even when we don't feel like we're worth it, it draws us near. So the first barrier that Jesus goes through is a social barrier. He's a man. He's a, he's a man. She's a woman. There's some of us who share the gospel, who don't share the gospel with anyone because of the opposite gender. There are certain religions out there that would never, ever, 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 ever have you share the gospel with a woman, but Jesus is sitting at that well, and he's almost like he's waiting for her. And in that moment, God showed me that sometimes we go to these areas looking to drink and, and get fulfillment from, and those areas can be areas of sin, and Jesus is just sitting there. And he tells her, like, hey... Can I get something to drink? Uh, and she says it. A Jewish man asking me, a Samaritan woman, for something to drink? Are you nuts? Like, you're not even supposed to be here. But that's just like Jesus in our lives. He's always at places where we don't expect him. And sometimes at a, we're at our most broken places, and sometimes we're at our most successful places, and he's there. The second barrier is the racial barrier. He was a Jew. She was a, a Samaritan. Wow. You're, we're, we're not supposed to, you know, talk. We're not supposed to be friends. We're not supposed to even, even this communication right now, like one of us can get in trouble. But in the heart of God, God never considered her skin. He never considered where she was from. He just saw that she was broken. He was just waiting for her there. And next month, every Saturday next month, you're going to have an option to choose to serve with this church and, and impact a community. <clears throat> and they may look different as you. They may be a different age as you. They may believe a different religion as you. But that shouldn't stop you from sharing the gospel. That shouldn't, sh shouldn't stop you from showing the love of God. And even right now, I hope none of that ever stops you from that. But you know, like... They, they, and, and it's no longer that they look different, right? Even though we know that's a problem, but it's like, but they believe something different. They, they're different from me. They're, how can I, are you sure? Like, are, are they safe? They talk different from me. Their education was different from me. And Jesus just sat at the well and wait waited for her. And then we see that there's a moral barrier. It says, she says, you know, he asked her, do you have any husband? And she goes, no, I don't have any husband. And he goes, you're right. You, you had five husbands. So Jesus is this great high priest, pure and holy. And then there's this Samaritan woman who's, who's slept around and had several husbands and never really found a place. Do you know that a lot of people stopped coming to church because of the judgment that they felt from other Christians? You know, people, I hear it all the time, there's an epidemic. 
uh, young, millennials are leaving churches by the droves. They're leaving churches. And I would love to say that, yes, I understand. And, and a point of it do I do is because they walk in and they feel like they don't belong. They feel like, no, 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 I have too much sin and that person knows what I did or this person knows that I'm struggling with this or this person knows that I can't do this. And at no point did Jesus ever make her feel less than thereof. At no point did he look at her and say, well, I can't talk to you because honestly, you've got a lot going on. You've got like six husbands. Like, I, whoa, you need to go get yourself together and then come back to this well. No, he confronted it head on. He told her, I want, I want to give you living water. And I want to let you guys know that in this church today, I don't care what you wear when you come in. I don't. You're here. What you wear doesn't matter. What you went through doesn't matter. That's why a lot of things in our churches, guess what? We don't judge your journey because everyone's been on a rough journey. But when you walk in this door, the first thing that I want you to experience, the first thing I want you to hear is that Jesus loves you. And it's that love of Christ that's going to change you. I don't have, I'm not going to change you. I can't twist your arm. I can't force you. I can't be in your everyday life and be with you and say, all right, are you doing that right? Are you doing this right? No, I can't do that. But I know once you experience Jesus that he takes care of everything. He frees you of your sin. He absolves you of your debt. And when you allow him into your life, and when you allow him into your lifestyle and your circumstance, he allow, you allow him to change things, he will. He told her, like, I know, I know you have several husbands. The last one, of course, was, was a physical barrier. It was a physical barrier there. Jesus didn't have anything to draw water with. You see, but what Jesus wanted was more valuable than water. He wanted her heart. He wanted her life. I love it. In verse 11, it says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? You have nothing to draw with, and, and, and this well is deep. And I would like to say in that moment she, that it meant the physical well, but I really do feel like she was talking about herself in that moment. She's sitting there with the creator of the universe, and she knows her lifestyle. She knows she's talking to a guy she shouldn't be talking to. It's just almost like, I shouldn't be here. You're offering me something, living water. I don't know what that is. And you have nothing to draw with. And this well is so deep. And how many of us have been at that point in our own lives? Where it's like, God, I don't know what you're going to draw. I don't know how you're going to draw life out of me. Because water is representative of the spirit, right? It's representative of life. So God, I don't know how you're going to draw this spirit out of me. I don't know how you're going to draw this life out of me. Because this well is too deep. This sin is too deep. I've gone too far from you. And I don't think you have anything that you can draw. I don't, I don't know if there's any life in me. Like, have you seen me? Like, I don't want to be there. And a lot of people that we're going to meet are going to feel the same exact way. And they won't say the same exact words, but they have the same exact feeling. Hey, pastor, uh, volunteer, member, whatever your name is, I don't know if you can draw life out of me. Do you not see my situation? Do you not see my brokenness? This well is too deep. 
This hurt is too deep. This pain is too deep. And you want to come and tell me that Jesus loves me and that He cares for me? This well is too deep. I don't know how life can come out of this situation. I want to tell you guys and equip you guys that as long as you have Jesus in you, as long as the Spirit is alive in you, you are life givers. God has powered you with the Holy Spirit to put life in dead situations. So for every person who feels like, oh, I don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I could never walk into your church. I don't have clean clothes. God says that doesn't matter. I'm not looking at your clothes. I'm looking at your heart. But God, my heart, the well is too deep. The sin is too far. And he's like, I sent my son to die on the cross so he can close the gap. You have to understand that Jesus died on the cross so that any well that feels like it's too deep, Jesus stretches out his hand. He goes, I'm holding on to you. I'm holding on to you. But God, you shouldn't hold on to me. I know I shouldn't, but I am. This well is, is too deep. And I believe that in this church and the people that we're going to serve and the things that we're going to meet in this city, we're there to put water and life in those wells. Because I want you to understand that you ever notice that when a well, uh, who here has ever been to a well? I've been to like a well in my life one time. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. The most I got to a well is like sewage. Like, you know, like, oh, look at that. Look at all that sewer stuff, you know. I've been to a well once in my life. And the drastic difference of when it rains and when it doesn't rain, right? When it doesn't rain, the water's like low, low, low. But when it rains, it's like you don't even have to put, you don't even have to use a rope to put the bucket down. You can literally just stick the bucket in and scoop the water out. And that's the same thing with Christ. When someone gets filled up with the Holy Spirit, when someone gets filled up with Christ, you don't have to dig deep and deep and deep to get this living water out. No, no, no. You just put the bucket in and scoop it out. And so that's what we have as the Holy Spirit, as that deposit, as as we share the love of Christ with others, and then they go back to their homes. People can now go to that well and say, oh my gosh, mom, there's something, dad, there's something different about you. What's changed about you? You're so full of life. You're so full of vigor. Like something has changed you and now that's contagious that joy love peace patience kindness gentleness self-control that spirit is now contagious now anyone that they interact with is like there's something different about you I don't know who did you meet I, I, I didn't it's just Jesus who changed it's just Jesus and now it says that we will become rivers and streams of living water because we filled someone up that's why it says you got to be filled up to be poured out again. Because that water is not for you, it's for someone else. Amen? Oh, okay. I don't know if I... Listen, I'm preaching good whether y'all amen me or not, all right? Like, I don't care how you feel. Um, he says, she goes, sir, the woman said, verse 19, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. 
and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I'm, I'm the one speaking to you. I am he. Joseph, if you don't mind coming up and playing. What I love is verse, I'm going to skip around, is verse 28. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Do you see the power of just one? Do you see the transformation of just one? Jesus didn't go into the town and stand at the, at the hill of the town and say, come on all to me, all who are broken and weary burdened, I will give you rest. The kingdom of God is near. He could have. But Jesus just impacted the one. He just met the needs of one. She was so filled and so filled with the living water in her that she left her bucket at the well. She left it there. And it says she ran back to town and was like, guys, you don't, the person I just met, the God I just met, like, he just told me everything I ever did. And like, he didn't condemn me. He didn't like, he didn't send me to hell. Like, he didn't curse me out. He didn't make me feel weird or different. He just kind of loved me and told me like, hey, I don't have to live that lifestyle anymore. You guys got to meet this guy. You have to meet him. He's still sitting there. Like, uh, what does it look like when the church becomes just like Jesus and we don't condemn people on Facebook? We don't judge them for their political views. We don't judge them for their skin color. We don't judge them for their social economic standings but we just say Jesus loves you we know you've got things going on we know that it hurts we know that you're broken but I love you and guess what there's living water in you there's life in you there's joy in you and I want to share that same love of Jesus that's in me and I want that water in you of course they're gonna take off and go back into their into their life and just say guys I I met this person who just shared like Jesus with me and like I don't want to be the same. I don't want to do the same things I was I was doing. I don't want to live in these broken cycles. Like I want to be everything that God has for me because he told me that there's so much more. And they didn't judge me. They stepped in they didn't judge me. They know what I do. They know what I did. I shared with them. Have you ever noticed people who are broken are so willing to share their brokenness sometimes if someone would just listen? People who are hurt are so willing to share what they've been through if someone just sat down and listened to them and not only listened to them to, to try and fix their lives, but listened to them and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I want to encourage you that I love you and that Jesus loves you and you don't have to stay there anymore. 
Like, Jesus doesn't care what you've been through. He's not keeping track of it. He doesn't hold it. It says that when you confess your sins, that he's faithful to forgive. And that once you confess it, he will forgive you. And he remembers your sins no longer. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your sins from him. And it's not that he can't remember, but he chooses not to. What a father. I know you might have had parents who called you different, and they remembered everything you did wrong, but that's not my dad. That's not him. In him you are complete and whole. He calls you daughter. He calls you son. Do you know how many people in this world are dying to hear that message? Do you know how many people in this world who are struggling with suicide or depression or anxiety or fear are dying to hear that. Not only to hear it, but to see it. We all watch the news. We see what's going on in the world. Two, three weeks ago, there was a pastor who took his own life. And that broke me, actually, because I know that fight. I know that fight. Did he have people in his life who loved him? Yes. Did he have family who loved him? Yes. But what if we just focused on the one? We don't know what anyone is struggling with. We don't know what people are struggling with. We just see them for face value. But what if we just said, hey, man, can we just hang out? I just want to hear your story. What are you about? Like, how can I? I just want to pray for you. And don't let it fool you. Just because people in the church, they want to act like they have it all together, they don't. We don't have it all together. We're a mess. And it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus that holds us together. And Jesus uses you guys to encourage us and be like, we have to keep on going on. Here it is. This is what happens when you, when you pour into someone. You see, the problem is, is that in today's world, we live in a world where we don't place value on people anymore. It's like, what can you do for me? But we don't tell people that you are valued, that you're loved, that you matter. Verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the woman's testimony, many Samaritans believed in them. She said, he told me everything I ever did. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We know this man is the savior of the world, not because you said it anymore, because we have experienced him and, 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 and listened to him with our own hearts and with our own minds. Like your testimony was great, thank you, but we've experienced God for our own. 
It says that we have overcome in Revelations. It says that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It says all those Samaritans got saved because of her testimony. Some of you guys, you think your testimony has no power. Oh, well, you know, I, I didn't really go through anything traumatic. You know, I was kind of raised in church. I didn't go through anything crazy. You know, I was just raised up in a normal Christian family. You know, I don't have a testimony. I don't, uh, whoever, who's ever felt like that, right? I don't have a testimony. I have nothing to share. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing special about my life. I've, I've, I've walked with God. See, that's where you're wrong because your testimony is that He's kept you. Your testimony is that He's kept you through it all. He's kept you. And there's some of us in this room where we still have that hurt. I met a guy, I saw a guy last night who used to be, you know, pretty uh, influential in my life, and I saw him, and I said hello to him, and, and when I did, I realized, like, that hurt was still there. And I was explaining to my wife, Tasha, you know that sometimes we see people, and they, they're like books, right? Some of us see people in our lives, and, and it's just like, oh, look, this was a good book. I, you know, I haven't seen them in a long time, so when I do see them, like, look at all the good times. And then you see some people, and you're like, Oh, man, there's, there was like one or two good times, but there's a lot of bad pages in this book. And we want to hide it, right? Because we're ashamed of it. And am I by myself? We're ashamed of it, and we, wanna, we don't want anyone to see it and see that we were, you know, kind of hurt from that and that, you know, took us out for a little bit. And God is saying, no, 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 don't, don't hide that. Give that to me. Because you think if you're going through it by yourself, there are many people who went through the same hurt. See, a testimony doesn't stop when you're broken. Your test becomes a testimony when you've overcome. Now you can share that and say, you know what? God, that's who I used to be. That's, what, you know, that's, where God, that's where I used to stay. But God has transformed me. God has made me a new person. And that doesn't, that doesn't have to stay a hurt anymore. It could become a help for someone else. Many Samaritans got saved that day because of the word of one. So my encouragement to you is that as we do outreach, as you guys live your lives, you don't have to share your testimony with thousands of people in one moment. God is asking you, will you just be faithful with the one? Will you just meet that one person at the well? But God, I got a schedule to keep up with. I don't, I don't, I feel like I've already shared it with them. Just the one. Just the one. You don't have to be a pastor to share the gospel. You don't have to be on a stage to share the gospel. All you guys go out to restaurants. I'm sure if you were to ask your waiter or waitress, hey, real quick before you leave. Can I pray for you for something? Can I, can I just pray for you? Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. And, and the times that I've done it and the times where I do it, I find that most people are always like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, they're totally open to it. And it's just like, yeah, um, well, I'm going through these things, and if you don't mind praying. 
And the trick is not to be like, all right, I'll pray for you and, and leave. The trick is like, can I pray for you right now? Most of the time, I've never had someone go, no, how dare you ask me if I need help? They've been like, yeah, for sure. It was by her testimony that they were saved. So I want to encourage you guys, as we serve these communities, as we serve people, there's going to be people who look different than you, who act different than you, who speak different than you, and it doesn't mean that God loves them any less. He loves them exactly the same. They're going to have a different uh, education than you. They're going to have a different upbringing than you. And in those moments, Jesus is going to ask you, you're at the well right now. You're at the well. And, the, and I know it's Jacob's well, and this was like a big deal. But, you know, the wells in your life are the places where people come together and they get nourishment. So your wells may look different than my wells. Your wells may be work. Right? Because everyone goes to work to make a living. Your well may be Starbucks. Your well may be Target, because I know some of you guys are like Target captains, you know? Like, you walk into Target, people know your name. Like, oh, Kathy, hey, how are you? Okay. Fourth time this week, a new record. But what other wells in your life that you're waiting, you're saying, God, I just, oh, I just want to share the gospel with someone. I just want to love on someone. Please put someone in my path. I just feel like someone needs to hear that, you know, that God loves them and that I love them. Isn't it crazy that the society we live in is that that's weird for people to hear? What a broken society that it's weird for people to hear that someone loves them and cares about them. But it's so easy to tear someone down that we don't know on Facebook. It's so easy to tear someone down on social media. But yet if you tell them, I love you, and guess what? That argument is too little for me to get in with you. I just love you. I'm going to leave it at that. What an impact. Just one. Just one. I don't know who that one person is. I don't know. It may be someone who's really close to you. It may be a family member. It may be a cousin. It may be a brother or sister. Or it may be a total stranger. I don't know who that one is for you, but I pray right now in the name of Jesus that God, that you direct people in each and every one of these people's lives this week and in each and every one of our lives that you put one person into our life. One person that we can love on, that we can pray with, that we can lead them through this redemption and this grace that they can turn away from their old lives. Because Lord God, if you slowed down and you waited at the well for one, how many more will you wait for? God, thank you that you waited for us at the well. Now when we came to the end of ourselves, you sat there waiting for us. And you met us, Lord. Thank you, Father.